Welcome to the Classic City Church Podcast. At C3, we exist to help people pattern their lives after Jesus. This message was first given as part of our teaching series at C3. Awesome. Well, we are continuing in the gospel of Mark today. We are finishing up finally Mark chapter 9. I believe that we did three or four sermons in Mark chapter 9. It is a long grinding passage. But we are coming to a close of Mark chapter 9 today. And we are going to, um, so if you got your Bibles open to uh, Mark chapter 9, we're going to pick it up at verse 42, or you can follow along on the screen behind me. Starting at verse 42, Jesus says this to his disciples in a private teaching session. Jesus says, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It would be better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. If it is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, How can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves. Be at peace with each other. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. If you feel very encouraged by that passage, I'll have to to pray for you afterwards. (laughs) Today's message is called, Cut It Out. Okay, don't really cut it out. Don't cut anything off, okay? No, no eyes, no, no hands, no legs, okay? Millstones around our necks, hands and feet being chopped off, eyes being plucked out, and the talk of hell. Uh, and hell could be its own topic, but if I was just to talk about hell, that would open a whole other can of worms, if you recognize, never mind, that's a joke. The text says, the worms will eat them and do not die. Never mind. That was just a joke. Dad joke. Sorry. Had to get that one in there. But, okay, if you're anything like me, the only way that you'll be going to heaven is as a stump. Okay? So, Jesus does not really want you to cut off any appendage. Okay? What he is getting at, and rather than self-mutilation, what he is wanting you to do is uh, be ruthless about the sin in your own life. Uh, Sin, I'm going to just give maybe a quick definition. Sin is any human activity living contrary to God's will. Um, it's anything in our lives that we know that isn't right. It's, it's our brokenness. It's when we give in uh, to temptation. It, it's stuff that, we, uh, that, that when we become conscious of it, uh, we know that we need forgiveness. Uh, it's the things that hurt our own life. It hurts other people's lives. Uh, and it gets in between our relationship with us and, and God. And it destroys our world. 
My kids love to wrestle. I don't know where they get it from. Okay, I know where they get it from. They get it from their mom. <laughs> Not. But my kids love to wrestle. For some reason, the spot that they choose is at the top of the stairs. Okay, so usually, like, and, and I love it when, like, Lucas gets one on Joshua, my younger son. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And sometimes Esther comes in, she goes, I do not think you should be encouraging them to be wrestling right now. I said, it's kind of fun to watch, to be honest, as long as, you know, it, it's, it's boys being boys. Like, they're just being brothers. And, and uh, like, I get in on it and everything. But, but when it goes too far is when they wrestle at the top of the stairs that, that lead down to our basement. It's at that point where, like, okay, I've got to be, I've got to switch. I've got to be a parent now. And I raise my voice and I yell at my kids. It's like, do not wrestle. How many times do I have to tell you guys? Do not wrestle at the top of the stairs. And the reason why I tell them that is not to be a pain in the neck, the reason I tell them not to wrestle at the top of the stairs is so they do, they do not break their necks. God is try, not trying to be a pain in the neck. God does not want you to break your neck. God does not want you to ruin your life. He is not trying to ruin your fun. He is trying to get you to not ruin your own life. Like any loving parent, he wants to keep us safe. He wants to, uh, us to enjoy life. He wants to enjoy the freedom that is found in him. Uh, and we, he wants us to enjoy a relationship with him and others. That Jesus Christ came for reconciliation, for forgiveness, for restored relationships. And he wants us to, to live in this new life that he calls us to. Not to continue to live in this, the, the harmful ways, this, the patterns of sin that lead us down this, this chaos and this destruction for our lives and, and into our world. God does not want you, is not being a pain in the neck. He does not want you to break your neck. Mark chapter 9, it finishes in the scene is, the context is that Jesus is teaching his core disciples. That he is in a house alone with his disciples and he is having a private teaching session with them. Um, he is teaching them very plainly and he is being uh, kind of to the point. This whole scene comes because uh, this whole teaching comes at the end of an argument that, that broke out with the disciples because they're just concerned about who was the greatest. That on the road traveling, they were having this concern of, I'm the greatest disciple. No, I'm the greatest student of Jesus. No, I'm the greatest student of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, what are you guys doing? It's not about being first. It's about being last. It's about being a servant of all. And then through that teaching, the apostle John says these words of saying, Jesus, along the road, there was this other person that was casting out demons. I was like, we need to, we need to stop that. And Jesus is saying, why? And so the disciples, they're, they're dealing with self-ambition. Uh, self they're dealing with envy between each other. And they're dealing with jealousy that other people are doing the work of Jesus that are outside of their in Group. So this is the context of what Jesus is trying to say. And what Jesus is grabbing a hold of his disciples and saying, he's saying, cut it out. Cut out your, your, your selfish ambition, your envy, your jealousy. Knock it off, guys. Jesus, in our teaching today, uses what's called the metaphoric hyperboles. 
Okay, what that means is it's exaggerated language for Jesus to try to get across his teaching. So no, don't go ahead and cut off your hand or gouge out your eye and do all those things. All scholars agree that this is exaggerated language for what Jesus is saying is these are the negative consequences of leading other people into sin and sinning ourselves. At verse 42, we pick it up. It says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me. So right there, we get a definition of who these little ones are. It's anyone who believes. So yes, it could be a child. It could be somebody new to faith. The little ones is anybody who believes. And Jesus, this is what he says uh, to his disciples. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. A millstone was used to crush grain in the time of Jesus. It's this big, heavy stone, and it was usually pulled by a donkey. Uh, in Jesus' time, uh, drowning was a form of public, uh, pers- uh, public execution. Um, at at, at Jesus' time, that was a well-known way of doing it. In fact, there's this story of uh, people who are rebelling against King Herod at the time uh, and, and some Herodians. They, they, they come across people who are, are, um, are, are these, these disciples. It's recorded in, in actually history outside of the Bible that these uh, Galileans, they're, they're rebelling against the Herodians. And what they do is they tie them up and they sink them to the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Today, we would look at this as not in terms of drowning people, but it would be the lethal injection or the electric chair. And what Jesus is trying to get across here is is not that we deserve um, uh, kind of being executed, but he's saying it's really, really, really serious if you lead another person into sin. Do not cause somebody else to fall into sin. sin. What you do really matters. It mattered to the disciples, and it matters for us today. It matters how we live our lives out, outside of these doors, within these doors, right? People are constantly watching our lives. Do we attract people to the presence of Jesus, or do we repel people? Do people look at our lives and saying, Oh, they're just like everybody else. They follow their God, but it doesn't really make a difference in their lives. They're just doing the same things that non-Christians are doing. They're just doing the same things that atheists are doing, or Buddhists are doing, or Hindus are doing. Or are they living their lives in a different way? way. If there's one thing that Jesus was really passionate about, he was passionate about teaching against about the hypocrisies, the hypocrisy of the religious leaders. So what we do matters. What we say matters. What we write on social media, even if it's hidden tiny little part in the comment section, people are watching our lives. Do we pull people into the presence of Jesus, or do we repel people by the way that we are living our lives? Do we lead people to Christ, or are we leading them in a different way? Our lives are matter. There's this, I don't know who to attribute this uh, phrase to, but it says, your actions are so loud, I can't hear a word that you say, that you're saying. 
do we live in such a way that gets people's attention, that make them question the way that they are living their lives now? And do we draw people into that loving relationship with God? Verse 43 goes on to say, If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands and go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life cripple than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. Okay, Jesus is not, does not want you to maim yourself. That's like the last time I'm going to say it today, okay? He does not want you to take this literally. I would be a stump, and we would all be stumps. Like there's, we, would, we all fall short of the glory of God. What God wants you to do is he wants you to turn away from those things and turn towards him. Okay, your hands, they represent the things that we do. Your eye, it demonstrates the things that we look at, that we consume. It's the TV. It's our time online. It's, it's, our, it's catching our eye, um, and, you know, making sure that, that our, our eyes are on godly things. And, um, and our feet, it, it, they, they represent the places that we go. How, what are we using our time for? How, how are we participating? And where do our feet carry us outside of a Sunday worship experience. So the things that we do, the things that we look at, and the places that we go, are they godly things? Are they, are they things that bring us closer to a relationship with Jesus? Or are they things that bring harm or chaos or destruction into our life? And what Jesus is really getting to the point to, so in the first section, it's all about not leading other people into sin, which is like, seems like a huge no-no. But in this section, what Jesus wants you to do is he wants you to take responsibility for your own life. And we don't often do that in the world that we live in today. We live in a world where if a student fails an assignment, the parent, the student, and now the principal all accuse the teacher and they say, you must do better. The teacher must do better. And I know because I'm married to a teacher. But it's not just Esther's experience. This is like a lot of your staff team members or, you know, I talk to other teachers in other ways. There's a lot of just, and what it is, it's not just at, it, in schools, but it's, it's in everywhere in our society. We spill a cup of coffee on ourselves, you get a million dollars. We sue, we blame, we point the finger, we do anything but we don't take responsibility for ourselves. Do you take responsibility for your own life, your own actions? The sad reality is in the church, often we are tolerant of our own sins, and yet we are intolerant of other people's sins. We live in a world where it says, go easy on yourself, but be hard on other people. Yet Jesus wants us to be ruthless with our own sins. Maybe you remember Jesus' teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew, I'm going to borrow from Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 5, where Jesus says this. He says, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. 
Here, Jesus wants us again to take ownership and be intolerant of our own sins. Jesus goes on to say, it is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell. And here's where the worm joke comes in. Where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Again, we're not going to spend the whole sermon talking about hell, but the word here, hell, that Jesus uses is actually a place. It's Gehenna. Gehenna, Gehenna is a valley of, uh, uh, in the Hinnom, southwest slopes of Jerusalem. And what it was in Jesus' day is it, it was the city dump. Um, this is in, in years before Jesus, uh, when uh, pagans used to live there, they used to do actually sacrifices uh, to pagan gods, and they would actually sacrifice their, their newborns. It was awful. Uh, that place in Jesus' day, uh, once Israel, you know, Israel's a nation, uh, they used it as a, a garbage heap. Uh, they would fill it with um, animal entrails. Okay, so worms uh, were many. If you get the, the passage of what Jesus is trying to say today, there's worms, there's maggots, it's nasty. There's this constant like burning, nasty uh, smoke in the air, this awful smell that comes to it. It's literally the worst thing that you can imagine. And Jesus is saying, if, when you sin, you're, look, this is what, you're leading your life to this. It's going to be a garbage dump, it's a burning garbage dump. And Jesus, in Jesus' time, uh, Gehenna was used as a metaphor for eternal punishment. So is this an either or? I, I think this is probably a both and. What is Jesus talking about here? He's saying, don't ruin your lives now because you can when you're living in sin, when you're living with the destruction and the chaos and all the things, if you, if you just are living in it, you're going to experience hell on earth. So Jesus doesn't want you to experience hell now or for eternity. Going on to verse 49. It says this, it says, everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Back uh, in Leviticus 2.13, which is at the very beginning, towards the beginning of the Bible, um, the way that God, that they, they, they worship God was by bringing animal sacrifices. And when they would bring an animal sacrifice to the altar, the priests would burn it. Um, and within that, they would bring salt. Um, they, would, they would burn it along with salt. And this was what, what Jesus is saying is that, that your life, everything that you do, it's a way of worshiping God. Now, we might think that that's just singing songs on a Sunday morning, and that is worship. That is praise to God. That is, but it is equally just as much worship the moment that you step out of that, that, those doors and you walk down the sidewalk or you go to lunch or that you go to work tomorrow. All of your whole life is, is an expression of worship to God and how we live our lives, what we say, what we do, where our feet take us, all of those matter to God and it should be all worship that brings glory to God. Paul picks up on this, what Jesus is saying here and he uses this in Romans 12 verse one. He says, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy, holy means to be set apart and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper 
worship. So can salt lose its saltiness? In Jesus' time, they would often, they would get salt uh, from the Dead Sea. If you've ever been to the Dead Sea, you literally just like float along. Like you can, you can hardly get underneath the water. It's got so much salt in it. So they would, they would mine salt from the Dead Sea. And, and as you get like chunks of rock or minerals, if it rained or it got wet or it could, you, the, the salt could actually wash away. So you could actually lose its saltiness. You could go get ready to cook or something like that. And you could be like, well, that doesn't, that's not salt at all. That's just some other kind of mineral along with this. So salt could actually lose its saltiness. It, it wasn't refined. It wasn't manufactured the way that we have it in today's, in today's world. It could actually be washed away. That salt in Jesus' day, it, w- it was meant to preserve food. It was meant to bring flavor out. If you've ever tasted food and you're like, ugh, that what needs that? It needs some extra salt to really bring out the extra flavors. That just as in Jesus' day, our lives today, when we live our lives for Jesus, we're to preserve the world from going bad. That there's, there's sin, there's chaos, there's destruction out there that's going on. There's darkness that our lives, that as we live them for Jesus in our world, they're to preserve, they're to help our world from rotting. That we're supposed to bring that goodness into our lives. That we're meant to be salt and light. We're meant to push back the darkness in our world. That we can't lose the saltiness in our lives. So my question for us today is, are our lives pointing or repelling people from the presence of of Jesus. Again, this teaching comes on the back end of envy, self-ambition, jealousy. And Jesus is saying, cut it out. Cut it out, guys. This is not this is the opposite of what I want for my kingdom. Instead, I want you to live pure lives that are holy, that they're set apart. Don't tolerate sin in your own lives. Don't compromise your relationship with Jesus. As we step foot into our worlds, we have to see, do our lives, do they, do they attract or do they repel people from the presence of Jesus? Your hand, your eyes, your feet, what you do, what you look at, what you consume, where you go, they all matter and they, they have influence in our world. But be careful not to read this passage as just sin management. We could easily walk away from today and you could just say, okay, cut out the bad, bring in the good. Cut out the bad things we do, bring in the good. But what Jesus is really trying to get to is the root of the problem. It's not just a matter of do's and don'ts. Otherwise, we kind of work our way into like this works kind of salvation type of theology. And that's not good because we still always fall short. Like we always will have another thing that we mess up on. And God is, God is gracious. He continues to forgive us. But what I think God, Jesus is what he's trying to do here is he's trying to get to the place of the root cause of where sin really starts. The, the sin doesn't start just in our eye or in our hand or in our feet. It actually starts in our hearts. And what Jesus really wants is our hearts. The, the sin, again, is anything contradictory, contradictory to God's will. It's, it's direct, defiant disobedience to what God wants in our lives, the way that we're meant to live. And it means that we're not trusting him. 
And the bad news, I'm sorry to tell you today, is that you will mess up and you will mess up and you will get it wrong again and again and again. Again, if we were all to get into heaven, we would be stumps. Don't be a stump. The good news is that God is gracious, he forgives us, and he gives us this transformational power by the Holy Spirit to transform our lives from the inside out. He gives us the power to cooperate and join God in his will. You don't have to be, and I want to be clear, it doesn't mean that you can't be discontent with the sins in our world. When we look at the news, when we turn on the TV, when we look at what's going on in our society, there are things that, that you should be like discontent with. But what I think Jesus is trying to say here is it's, it's okay to be discontent, discontent with the sin of the world, but first have discontent with the sin of your own life. Don't go and start pointing the finger without first looking in the mirror. Don't be a hypocrite that, that we shouldn't necessarily tolerate, but we should have the same graces that Jesus shows for us in the sin in our lives. We have to stop pretending that, that our lives don't have influence. You may not think of yourself as a leader. Today I'm telling you, you are a leader for Jesus. You're a leader for Jesus. You might be a new leader for Jesus, but you are a leader for Jesus. That your life has incredible influence on the people around you. Your friends, your neighbors, your work colleagues, all those people, like 27,000 people. I put it up here so you would not forget. The 27,000 people just in our area, and it's probably much, much higher than that, that don't have a church home yet. And they're watching you. They're looking at your life. They're examining your life. Are you pulling people closer to a relationship with Jesus or are you repelling people from the presence of Jesus? What you say, what you do, it all matters. You have incredible influence over your life. And I believe when we start living fully, truly, holy, set apart, that we'll be like moths to a flame that people will just be so attracted to the beautiful presence of Jesus, that salt and light will bring this overflow of God's love and his presence from our lives into other people's lives. People will see how we live counterculturally and uncompromisingly to the world around us, and they will see and they will experience the salt and light of Jesus. hope that this message helps you to grow in a relationship with Jesus. Connect with us at classiccitychurch.org.